Hello, and welcome back to The Dreaded Question. I'm your host, Lily Torre, and this week I'm so glad to bring back a wonderful guest from earlier in season two, Becca Brunel. If you haven't heard Becca's episode from earlier in the season, I'm linking it in the show notes, and I highly recommend you go check it out. Becca has started a parallel career for herself as a purpose seeker, helping people find their why so that they can live lives of meaning and value. She has helped countless people find their why, and in today's episode, we're discussing how she's helping her clients gain an even deeper sense of their purpose in today's world. As always, Becca is a ray of light and wisdom, and I can't wait for you to listen to her brilliant perspective. As you may recall, I like to use repeat guests as an opportunity to try out some questions other than, so what are you up to? So let's check in with Becca Brunel. So Becca Brunel, where are you? (laughs) Hey, Lily Torre. I am currently in Vermont, actually, um, hanging out with my fam. Good. I'm so glad to hear that. And I'm, I'm so glad that you were able to, to be with your family right now. And who knew that where are you would be such a interesting and open-ended question right now. I know, right? I feel like, you know, I, I don't know where half of my friends are in the world right now. So it's a good thing to check in on. Exactly. Uh, Well, thank you so much for agreeing to be on TDQ again and to check in with us. What a great time to check in with someone who calls herself a purpose seeker. (laughs) Very relevant right now. Yeah. You know, I mainly just wanted to talk about how things are going for you, what you're feeling in this time, what you're working on in this time, and how doing why discovery work and purpose seeking has helped you and been applicable to you in this time. Ooh, Lily. Okay. (laughs) How am I doing in this time? This may be like the question of the decade, I feel. Yeah. I'm, I'm taking it moment by moment. Yeah. I was actually just having a conversation with my cousin about this, that it's like, you know, one moment it feels very, um, you feel super inspired and productive Mm -hmm. and innovative. And then the next moment it feels like I don't even know what's going on. Like I, I feel isolated and alone Mm -hmm. and kind of scared. And so it's, it's really just kind of like taking it moment by moment for me. And I think that it's good for all of us to be able to take it moment by moment because, you know, it's just like the best thing for you to do for your psyche. And um, none of us knows, none of us has ever been in a global pandemic before. We're all kind of figuring this out together. Nope. My first time for sure. (laughs) Oh, I'm glad to hear that. (laughs) Yeah. I just, you know, it's, it's, it's a crazy feeling. It's a really crazy feeling and it's a hard, hard question to answer, but I think it's an important question to ask. Yeah. I mean, I, I completely agree. And it's, you know, what you're saying, taking it, taking things moment by moment, you know, I feel a little bit like a broken record because I feel like I've already said this so many times on the podcast in the past week or two, but being present is always important and always a very worthy mission to be on, to practice staying present. But I think now, especially 
it's so easy to get caught up in the disappointment of the past or clinging to how things used to be or worrying about how things are going to be in the future. And the thing that's really keeping me sane right now is practicing presence and staying in this current moment and checking in and just saying like right now at this very second, I'm okay. I have food in my belly. I have a shelter over my head and you know, I have my health and I'm doing okay. And staying present moment by moment and taking stock of how you're doing moment by moment really is, I think, the only way to get through this. Yeah, it's so, so important. I kind of mentioned to you offline that I think this is a really good time for people to check in and start to kind of build and cultivate their resilience um, because humans are innately resilient creatures, first of all. Yeah. Second of all, we have the ability to strengthen that and what you're saying about being present in the moment and acknowledging how you feel and then kind of acknowledging how you might react to that reaction or the actions that you might take on that reaction are completely essential to building resilience. Yeah. And also completely essential to you know keeping us sane and keeping us in the moment and keeping us present. And yeah, I think that that's really beautifully said, you know, staying present and staying in the moment. Thank you. Yeah. <laughs> So how have, what have you been doing in this time? How have you been utilizing your time? Have you been one of those people who's been feeling super productive? Have you been one of those people who's kind of needed to like retreat and take a moment for yourself? Yeah. So I have, it kind of changes for me from even sometimes hour to hour, sometimes day to day. Yeah. Sometimes I have a moment of, I feel really inspired and really productive. And so I make the most of I can, that I can of those moments. And then other times I feel very deeply saddened by the fact that I'm not with my community yeah. and that I'm not able to get in a room with people and create. Yeah. And I think that both, like, as we've been saying, both are important to sit with and both are important to um, getting us through this time, you know, and in those moments that I've felt invigorated and innovative, I'm trying to figure out ways to help my clients to move forward with their connecting to their deeper sense of purpose. I think that mm -hmm. I, I think that what better time than right now yeah. to connect to this change that we're seeking to make and the things that we value and how, you know, if our why is at the center and then our what's are at the outside, like our why isn't going to change, but our what's are going to have to kind of shift right now. Yeah. And to sit back and take stock. And I want to help my clients to be able to take stock of that sense of purpose and that sense of their what's and how they may change and how they can serve their community, serve themselves and serve their industries that they're part of as well. Yes. I think that, you know, there's so much, obviously there's so much change right now. And a lot of people have had their what's kind of taken away from them if they thought the way that they were going to implement their why was through being in a show next month, you know, that's not happening now. So I think that's part of the reason so many people feel lost and disappointed and frustrated. And what I'm hearing you say is that really an antidote to that is to check in with, okay, well, what is that why? What is it that I was hoping to accomplish with that particular what you know, that show that I was going to do. And how else might I go about doing that in this new set of circumstances that we're faced with? Yeah, exactly. One of the things that I've 
kind of been thinking about is I don't remember if you've ever mentioned this on your podcast, Lily. I know that it's been an episode on the long and the short of it, which is another podcast that you've referenced often here. The reflection script concept. Have you talked about that on your podcast? You know, I'm not sure that that has come up on TDQ. So I'd love for you to share a little bit more about that. And I can link the episode of the long and the short of it where they talk about that in the show notes, but I'd love to hear a little brief snippet about it from you. Yeah. So, okay. A reflection script. And um, this is a Seth Godin concept Mm -hmm. that you are it's these questions that you go back and you essentially reflect on whatever project that you just completed. And you ask yourself how your what your overall feeling was, what you did well, what you thought went well, and what you thought could be improved upon. Yep. And so as I've kind of been noodling on how I can help my purpose seeker community through this time, this is something that came to mind that you know, while the concept of start with why isn't just this finite project, it's definitely the infinite game. I think that this is a really good time for us to reflect on, especially if you are someone who has articulated your golden circle, your why, how, and what, go back and take a look at the time since you have articulated that and do this reflection script. And I think it's going to help to gain a lot of clarity moving forward on how your golden circle can best serve you and how you can best serve it. Yes. Yeah. That's kind of one of the things that I am really excited to try out with some of my clients. I haven't, I haven't told anyone about it yet. So you are the first to know Lily Torre. Yes. Thank you for that honor. Oh, my pleasure. But I'm really excited to try this out with people and see how they respond to it. Part of the process of the reflection script that Jen and Pete talk about on the long and the short of it is doing this with a partner. And your partner will ask you questions and kind of challenge you to dig deeper on your reflection script, essentially like reflect on the reflection so that you really dig in as deep as possible. And I'm, I'm really excited to see what happens because I think this is a really great time to do that. Oh, I completely agree. I feel like this sounds like such a great offering that you have come up with. And I think another way to sort of look at it is, you know, we talk a lot on TDQ about this. And I know Jen and Pete on the long and the short of it talk about this, of this idea of experiments. So to me, this concept of the reflection script work that you're offering your clients is similar to kind of, I guess, the conclusion of an experiment, that this is sort of the end of one round of the experiment. And this is the opportunity to say like, okay, how did that hypothesis work out? What did you prove? What did you disprove? And then from there, we can dive back in again to the experiment perhaps with a new hypothesis or maybe with the same one. But I think what we're currently experiencing is going to encourage a lot of us to try a new hypothesis. And I think that's awesome. Oh my gosh. Do you want to like write up the blurb for whatever this is for me? Because that was brilliant. Um, I would love to. Um, Yes, I think that that is exactly what it is. And I think that moving forward after all of this is over, this is something that people can continue to do for themselves. You know, maybe it's a quarterly check-in or, you know, a a monthly check-in, depending on what's going on with you at the time. You know, I, I think that this is 
could be a really useful way to you know, reframe your hypothesis. Yes, exactly. It's, you know, and a lot of people are using um, the time that we currently have on our hands to deep clean their apartment and, you know, overhaul a lot of things that they've left kind of untouched. And I think this is a great way to sort of deep clean your golden circle and Uh. check in and, you know, reinvigorate some things. Yeah. (laughs) Yes. Deep clean your golden circle. You know, it requires maintenance as well. And I think, you know, it's so applicable to like, like a workout, like you wouldn't do, if you do, what is it? P90X. I'm, I'm showing how like ignorant I am about (laughs) exercising. If you were going to do that or like insanity, that's what I know. If you were, if you did insanity, you wouldn't do the whole program once and be like, okay, I'm set for life. I never have to work out again. Correct. You know that you're either going to need to do some sort of supplementary workout, or you're going to have to keep doing insanity. So I think, you know, of course, deep, meaningful work, like finding your why is going to be similar. Your why may not change, but you need to be checking in with those other circles of uh, other rings of the golden circle to make sure that they're still applicable and they're still working for you. Yeah. Oh, this just made me think of something else that a lot of my clients and those of your listenership who have their golden circle defined will be familiar with this feeling, but um, that some of my clients will be like, I don't know how I know when I need to readjust certain parts of my golden circle, like my house or my what. Sure. And I think this could be, like you said, a great way to figure out what you know, what I could redefine as my house, or if they don't seem to be working, or maybe they are working, but I just haven't necessarily taken the time to admit to myself that I'm not checking in with them. Because let me tell you, Lily, I have been there. And I have been there recently. It is, (laughs) you know, we go through these, like, you know, it's peaks and valleys. And this kind of forces you to get really honest with yourself. How am I doing on leading with my why? Yeah. And like you said, adopting an infinite mindset. You know, I, I heard Jen Waldman say somewhere the other day that Simon Sinek's work is more relevant now than ever. And the infinite game is a big part of that. You know, having this mindset that again, I just because you checked in with it once and you made some decisions about what your hows and your whats might be doesn't mean the work is done forever. You have to adopt that kind of infinite mind frame and perspective on things. And, you know, that cyclical nature as well, you know, the golden circle cycles, rings, like it's all circular and you have to keep checking back in with it. So I think that this is a really brilliant reframe. For anyone who's listening who hasn't either worked with you or someone else on their why discovery, where might they begin? I mean, I know obviously reading start with why or find your why or infinite game, any of these things will definitely, you know, give them some good context. I'll also link your episode from earlier this season of TDQ in the show notes for people to get some context as well. But if people are feeling a little overwhelmed by like, whoo, this is a big task for this quarantine moment, what's a good place to start at? I think I think the best place to start is to look at what it is that you care deeply about. Mm-hmm. You know, if you if you haven't found your why, that's completely cool. 
I will be the first to say that this framework does not resonate with everyone and others have found other frameworks or other um, mindsets, like adopted other like vernacular that, that resonate more with them. And that's totally cool. I think that this is just the time to get back in touch with what you care about. Think about what it is, what the feelings surrounding why you got yourself into the industry that you got yourself into. Check back in with that and try and get yourself back in touch with those feelings because this might be going off on a tangent, but I just had this thought that something that I was kind of discovering the other day when I was still back in New York before I left, I was kind of watching some like videos on YouTube or something of things that I haven't watched in years. They were shows that I, that I like grew up loving that Mm I let kind of go away from my mind And it brought me so much joy, Lily. And I started to realize like that it was still so in alignment with my why. And like, yes, I've articulated my why, but it also made me realize that the reason that I got into theater in the first place was because it was the place where I felt like I belong. It was a place where I could create something joyful for other people to take in. And I mean, I already said this is a place that I felt like I belong, but it was just, it was a community and I was craving community. And I think that going back to those roots, going back to basics, just like in ballet, you go back to those roots and you get back in touch with that. And then you can, this is something that can deepen your passion. It can deepen your sense of why you got into this and why you want to do this for other people. And then maybe when you come out of it, you'll have a better sense of how you want to move forward. Yeah. There's actually something really interesting about how you got there, which is through reflecting on the art that resonated with you as a child and the things that made you want to be a part of the what that you chose in the first place. And I also think that a lot of people fall in love with theater because they feel like it's a place where they belong. And I think that that's so beautiful. I mean, it's one of the amazing things about theater. And what I would challenge people to think about now, I would challenge that it is not the only place where you will belong, that there are so many other communities, industries, sectors of this world where you will belong. Just because theater was the first place where you felt like you belonged doesn't mean that it's the only. And, you know, I'm not here to tell anybody they shouldn't be an actor. I'm not telling anybody that they shouldn't be in theater. I'm just saying that I may have mentioned this on the podcast before, but something that I really take issue with is this answer that I hear a lot when people are like, why did you become an actor? People will say, because I couldn't do anything else. And I think that that's sort of the inverse of if you can do anything else, do that instead. Um, I think that we've learned that that's the correct answer is that like, I can't do anything else. I have to do this. And I just really don't believe that it's true. I mean, to be honest, like I call bullshit on that because artists and actors are so capable, so smart, so creative. There's so much that we can do with these skills. So you absolutely can do something else. So that's to me, that's not an answer. So why, really, truly, why did you decide to become a theater artist? Mm -hmm. And don't say it's because you can't do anything else. It's so self-limiting. And then it also sort of entraps you in this career because you 
have this limiting belief that you're incapable of anything else. So then you don't even have any other choices, which to me is not necessarily a setup for a happy life. Exactly. This is, I mean, it's so in alignment with what Jen was saying on her last episode with you Mm -hmm. is what are the, the soft skills or the human skills that you possess? Yep. And how might you refocus them into something else? And I think it really goes along with this, you know, if for me, because this is the example that we've been using, if for me, I got into this because it's a place where I felt like I belonged, it's a place that cultivated community and it's a place where I could elicit some kind of, you know, emotion from an audience, right? right? There are so many different ways that I can do that. And there are so many different ways, like, I mean, creating community, like the theater community is not the only community in existence. And at this point, like, you know how to do that, you know how to cultivate community. And it's just, you know, whether it's taking people that you already know, or if it's taking people on the periphery of, you know, like reaching out to other different communities or other different facets of your life and saying, here, I have this thing to offer, or I just want to check in with you to see how you're doing and start there and plant the seed. That is another way that you can do it. And whether it be a giant way or a small way of checking in to say, Hey, I haven't talked to you in a while. How's your heart? Right. Because I think everyone needs to be asked how their heart is right now. Yes. And, you know, going from there and something can create from this tiny little seed that you plant. Yes. Oh, and this is such a perfect follow up to last week's episode with Carly Valancey. She talked all about, you know, the power of reaching out and how applicable it is right now. And, you know, one of the things that she recommended was reaching out to people outside of our industry and connecting with people who are part of other fields. And especially if you have felt, if you're listening to this and you have felt like theater has been the only place that you've ever truly belonged, maybe consider reaching out to some other industries and giving them a shot. Again, not because I think you're not allowed to do this anymore, but because why not test the waters and why not offer your gifts and skills to other industries and see how it goes. I mean, honestly, at this point, what do you have to lose? Right, exactly. And I think that something that you'll discover is that people in other industries need people with our skills. Definitely, definitely. We need people who have the communication skills, the storytelling skills, the empathy, the level of empathy. It's essential and other industries need it as well, but they're not as practiced in it as we are. Right, right. I mean, many industries believe, many people in other industries believe that they are incapable of empathy or incapable of creativity, which I don't believe, but they have that limiting belief. And so offering up your skills to them is incredibly valuable. Going back to some of the work that you've been doing with your clients over the past few weeks, is this something that you would recommend to people who haven't done a Y discovery or would you recommend doing a Y discovery first? We're talking about the reflection script, right? Yeah. I I think that this is something that anyone can do. I mean, whether or not you have articulated your why, you can still go back and look at the last quarter of the year and say what went well, what were my goals, what went well, well, how did I feel about it overall, what went well, what went less well, and how can I move forward and make it better? And you can still sit down with someone and say, hey, I'd love to talk about this. 
you know, of course, I always am going to be a, a champion for finding your why, because I think that it it makes our our work much deeper. And it has been such a guiding light in my own life. So of course, I'm always such a champion for that. But I don't think that you have to have found your why in order to reflect on the last quarter and figure out how you can move forward and be of service. Yeah. I love that. Being of service, so important. Yeah. Where does this concept of resilience and recovery come into play? Yeah. So this period of time, as we said, like none of us have ever been through a global pandemic before. I recently read an article that was about the feeling that you're feeling right now, the uncertainty that you're feeling right now is grief Mm -hmm. about this global pandemic. And it is because this is a period of like, we don't know what life is going to look like moving forward, but we know it's going to be different than it was before. Right. And, you know, many of us are familiar with the grieving process. And I, I think that strengthening our resilience will help us to see the possibility in the end and to see the other side of this and to have more moments of inspiration and more moments of joy and productivity and innovation than the moments of sadness and loss. Not that those feelings won't be there because I think that they will. And I think it's important for us to feel them. I've recently been saying just like thinking about grief in general before the coronavirus stuff became a thing. And I've been saying that, you know, that grief and that that pain, I think is essential for us to realize that it's wonderful that we've had something that we have loved that way. Yeah. And to have, you know, to have had that. And now we get to make something new for ourselves moving forward. Hey, listeners, Lily here. If you feel like hearing more about this idea that Becca's unpacking, she recently started a blog called Seeking Purpose, where she has posts on resilience and grief. I'm linking her blog in the show notes. Go check it out. And so as far as resilience is concerned, I mean, we are in a career. Many of us are in this industry that is we hear no so many times over and over and over, and it can be really soul crushing sometimes. Yeah. And I have been working on cultivating resilience and helping my clients to cultivate resilience. And the way to do that is to put yourself in risky situations. Yeah. And, or to take risks to feel these kind of emotions, right? Yeah. So we're here we have to get through this. And so therefore, this is a great time for us to check in with that and to be able to start strengthening that. And it will help us to move forward and we'll have strengthened those muscles so that when we do get back in, that these muscles will have these muscles strengthened so that we can continue to create incredible work while also feeling, you know, like you get back in the audition room and you're feeling like an imposter, but then you can also feel like an imposter and do great work at the same time. Yes. So I think that it's important while we have this time on our hands that we start that process now. Absolutely. Rather than be like, let me start this now that it's over. Exactly. Yeah. And I think part of it is, of course, allowing, you know, giving yourself the permission and the grace to have the time to grieve and to, you know, a, a good friend of mine was on one of the tours that 
has now announced that they will not be returning. Mm. And, you know, she messaged me and she was like, you know, I feel sad, of course, but I, I feel kind of dumb for, you know, being so emotional about this and for, you know, being, I don't remember if these are the exact words that she used, but what I got out of it was like being so selfish to think about, you know, my loss when there's a global pandemic going on and other people have it worse. And I was like, you know what? Something I've reflected on a lot recently has been how different non-theater artists' relationships with their jobs are. Mm-hmm. You know, I was watching um, Morning Show, oh, yeah. and so many of the horrible things that went on in that story were justified by I was afraid of losing my job, and how just terrified muggles are of losing their jobs and how deep that relationship is because they rely on their job for income to survive, health insurance to survive, all of these really important things, their ability to support their family. And we as theater artists inherently don't have that level of attachment because our jobs are always, you know, contracted, not permanent, short-lived, and there's just such little security in them. So sometimes I think that because of that, we don't allow ourselves to feel any sort of emotion over losing it. You know, you're allowed to shed a tear on closing night of your show, but then like after that, you better hop back into another audition tomorrow. And I think it's something really unique about theater artists that we don't have that level of attachment, which is probably good in some ways. But I also think when something ends like this, especially when it ends in such a crazy, unexpected way, when you thought you were going to have a whole other year of this and then it's cut short, give yourself that permission to mourn and allow yourself to go through all of the stages of grief and then pick yourself back up on the other side. And I think there are probably ways to make that process a little bit smoother, like what you're talking about and you know, not necessarily reveling in that dip of grief, but, you know, let yourself feel that that's okay. And people in other industries are definitely feeling that grief as well. So you're, you definitely won't be alone. Yeah. I, I think that's a really great way to look at it. You know, it's so true. We don't as theater artists kind of allow ourselves that grieving period. And I mean, when you think about it, I mean, this is kind of morbid, but when you think about it, when you are going through the grieving process, when you're grieving a person, then you're grieving a loved one, right? it doesn't, I think that people sometimes look at it the same way. You know, the, the funeral happens and then you're just kind of expected to pick up and move on with life. Yep. But that's not, that's not what grief looks like. It comes in waves and sometimes you are extremely joyful thinking about that person. And sometimes you are super saddened. And I think it can be the same way with our careers. You know, someone loses a job or a contract ends, depending on the contract. Like I've, I've definitely had contracts where it's like, oh man, I have this pang of just like missing my cast and missing that contract and missing that show. And like, you know, it'll come randomly. And I think that that is something that we need to acknowledge. And the thing about this period of time and the things that we've been talking about with connecting with others and Mm -hmm. checking in with them and also getting back in touch with our purpose, those are two of the major things that I have outlined as essential for cultivating resilience. Yes. So we are 
setting ourselves up right now to really cultivate some pretty incredible resilience, which I find really, really cool and very inspiring. Absolutely. I couldn't agree more. And and this is also bringing up for me the idea of process versus outcomes. So I think you know, this grief process can also relate to what we were talking about earlier with the reflection scripts and kind of how I framed it as, you know, an experiment. We'll see if we are possibly overly attached to our what by how deeply we feel the need to grieve it and mourn it at the end of the experiment if we discover that it wasn't quite working for us. And I I think most scientists would probably tell you not to get too attached to the hypothesis. <laughs> and, you know, and the way we're talking about it, I would categorize the hypothesis as outcome. And mm. if you're really attached to that outcome, then at the end of the experiment, if that outcome didn't work, you can hardly even revel in the joy of the process of the experiment because you're so devastated by the outcome when that hypothesis is disproven or, you know, it's time to try a new hypothesis. Mm, yes. Oh, that just blew my mind. <laughs> I think I think you are dead on there. Something else that all of this work that you're doing is bringing up for me is something that's come up on a couple of these episodes now is about this concept of listening versus being heard, that everyone is really wanting to be heard right now. And so as a result, you know, this came up on Tara Tagliaferro's episode. As a result, one of the most powerful things that we can do right now is listen. And I feel like what you're doing in, you know, these this reflection script with your clients is that real deep, true listening and really holding space for them right now. Yeah, I think it's I think what's so important is that sometimes I think that there's this concept of, of empathy being listening to understand versus listening to respond. Yes. And what people really need right now, like you said, is that people need to be heard to feel heard. They need to feel understood. Our sense of safety is really like shaken at this moment in time. And I think the thing that can give us the biggest sense of safety is to have someone hold space for us. And this is something that I've been really thinking about a lot because I really enjoy being on the holding space end of a conversation. I mean, it's part of my why <laughs> so that others feel known is the impact part of my why. Right. And I it brings me so much joy and fulfillment to know that I'm able to do that for someone. And so when I started to kind of reach out to people about like, Hey, how is your heart? How are you feeling? I was like, this is something, this is a way that I can connect back to my purpose, to my why and give this to others. And the other thing that I think is that when we are able to hold space for others, we are able to kind of gain a sense of comfort ourselves yeah. because we realize that we're not the only ones feeling that way. And there have been so many calls that I have been part of in these last couple of weeks where it has been people who are just so ready and willing to hold space and to, yeah. and to listen. And it's so 
it's so generous. It's not selfish. It's just tell me how you're feeling and hey, I'm here with you. Yeah. And on the flip of that, I think that a lot of times like people who are people of service or people who are so generous find it really hard to have space held for them. Yes. And I think that that is equally as important that if we are going to be on the listening end and to to hold space that it's also important for us to speak what's on our heart as well yeah. and to to allow others to see our humanity. Yeah, that's beautiful and brilliant and just such a great confirmation that the work that you are doing is so in alignment for you. It's just I think anyone listening to this right now is like, wow, this is perfect for her. What she does, it just makes so much sense. <laughs> and I want everyone to know that like you can have that too. There you can have parallel careers and parallel pursuits that are as clearly in alignment with who you are deeply at your core mm-hmm. as Becca's is to her. And you know, someday you can be recording this episode with me and have people listening thinking, wow, the work that this person does is so in alignment with them. Like it's so doable. And all it takes is some self-awareness some self-reflection and an openness to possibility. So I think that that's just what you do so incredibly well. And I admire you so much. Oh, thanks. I would love to wrap up today's episode with one more question, which is what is giving you hope in this time? Oh man. The thing that is giving me hope in this time is community. Yeah. Yeah. I just, I, I see so many examples, not just in my own community. I mean, yes, of course, in my own community, but, and my community and beyond of people just coming together and being there for each other and helping. And I I just think it's so beautiful. What's that Mr. Rogers quote? Oh, where he said, my mother said, in a time of crisis, look for the helpers. You'll always find the helpers. Yes. That's what gives me hope for this period. Yes. Oh, mm-hmm. I love that. Yes. May we all seek and find and be the helpers. Absolutely. I love that. Yeah. Becca, thank you so much for taking some time. I know you had like a busy day traveling and getting to where you needed to be. So thank you so much for taking the time to do this and for sharing your brilliance again with this community. We are just so lucky to have you here. Thank you, Lily. And thank you for um, continuing to do these episodes. I know that it means so much to people and it brings people so much comfort to hear your podcast and to have these people on and talk about how they're how they're doing and ways to move forward. Well, thank you. I recognize that a lot of us are feeling overwhelmed right now and feel like there are too many options of things to do right now. And I'm certainly not here to tell you what to do. But what I will say is that finding your why and or deepening your connection to your purpose is the type of work that will feed any other work you may do. If you're working on things for your acting career, trying to find a parallel career, learning a second language, reading a book, or doing a yoga video on YouTube, all of this can become a deeper experience by having a why behind it. So if you've been feeling overwhelmed during this period of time and you don't know where to start on your list of a million options, I personally would encourage you to consider checking in with your why. I hope that you enjoyed hearing from Becca today and that if you know someone who might need to hear this episode, that you'll share it with them. 
Thank you so much for listening. I'm Lily Torre, and this has been The Dreaded Question.